On today's episode, we are going to speak to a gentleman who has over 29 years of experience in trucking. He has 14 of those years. He was an owner-op, and he is going to share with us how to make an astronomical amount of money while being an owner-operator. Let's get trucking. This is Beyond the Rig. All right. Well, welcome back to another uh, season of Beyond the Rig. We made it past two. As if you, for those of you who are actually watching the podcast, you'll notice that I've got Corey sitting here with me. Where's Will? I'm so excited to be back with you, Linda, and filling in for Will because, um, you know, we actually got noticed that we had to send him back to podcast school. I mean, this is what. <laughs> Times three now. Times this is his two third or time. Three. Exactly. Good gosh. Hope he won't see this episode. <laughs> I will. <laughs> but anyway, it's really great for me to be back with you. And since um, I haven't seen you for a week or so, um, how was your trip? So I know Will said that I was at podcast school, but you can't believe that that joker. Um, I actually was on vacation, so I went home to see uh, my daughter. My granddaughter and my son-in-law, um, and my son-in-law graduated from um, the Army Officer Cadet School. So that's where I was at. That's where I went to go awesome. and check it I'll out. Bet it that was, was awesome. exciting. It was. It was so exciting to see his uh, next step in his career. And of course, it's always great to see my daughter and granddaughter. Absolutely, nothing like grandkids. No, no. For I have sure. a surprise for you. I love start surprises. Off. Okay, so you know the Olympics just finished. And so we can't start without a dad joke. Oh, boy. Here we go. Right. So what it. do you call a nervous javelin thrower? Scary. <laughs> Shakespeare. <laughs> That's a good one. That was a good one. That's a good one. That is yeah. a good one. Shakespeare. Yeah. Shakespeare. Yeah. So right. pr- pretty soon we'll throw on some granddad jokes, too. Is there a mm-hmm. difference between the dad and the granddad? Only your hairline. <laughs> <laughs> Which we can't see because yeah. of the hat. Well, yeah. I, hey, I'm really excited for our episode today. Me too. Me too. So um, I want to tell you what's going on about this episode. We are going to talk to an experienced owner-op so they can help us um, explain how to be successful. As an owner-op, we're also going to talk about how to stay fit over the road, which is awesome um, because I know we have a lot of people. I actually follow a guy on Facebook who uh, shows me different things that he can do in the truck, which is great. Um, and then we're going to try to figure out, you know, how do you do the work-life balance? Because, um, you know, that's what's important. You know, you got to do your job, but you also got to stay um, making sure everything's going way it's supposed to be going at home correct because it's a happy wife happy life right exactly <laughs> yes indeed <laughs> and i'm really excited too because we have one of the per- the people that i know will that's got so much experience that can address all of these um all of these topics today right and we'd like to welcome elliot savoy with us today thank you guys i appreciate it elliot and savoy where does savoy the last name come from it's actually that's not french I've heard. It's, it's actually savoy savoy yes how would you like us to pronounce it savoy, savoy. would be sufficient savoy i do appreciate that like yep. you to say savoy that's how it's pronounced <laughs> exactly well, growing up in louisiana uh that was our native language was french 
and my grandparents spoke French, and a lot of my uh, older relatives, they could barely speak English. What? And my parents would speak French, but when it was time for us to learn, we it was taught in school, but of course we never adapted to it. Yeah, so I can. I knew when they were talking about me. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, I can detect a little Louisiana in okay. your, in your okay. accent, right? Yeah. Country. Yeah. So we yeah. met a few months ago. Yes, we did. And I was really excited. And I remember just that very first time we met, our conversation was so engaging, and I was just intrigued with your experience. So Elliot has uh, 29 years ex- uh, experience in the industry. In the industry, yes. 14 of which, the last 14 as an owner-operator. So tell us just a little bit about, you know, how you got into trucking. Uh, Actually, uh, as I was just earlier speaking about my parents, uh, trucking wasn't even an idea then. I wanted to follow in my mother's footsteps. I wanted to be a nurse. Oh. Yes, indeed. I wanted to make mama proud. (laughs) But one of the things that that truly uh, excited me, my dad drove a truck for a heavy equipment company, and he was about five, 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 six. And to see this little man handle such monstrosity of a beast, uh-huh. I was like, that's my superhero. <laughs> <laughs> I want to sure. be like daddy. And, and actually, all my brothers uh, became truck drivers. And ultimately, so I said, you family. know what? It's in the blood. Wow. I said, you know what? Let me try my hand at this. And I was surprised to see how just from the beginning, I was so good at it. How many so, brothers? Two brothers. Two, two older brothers. brothers. So yeah. the three of you guys all drove trucks. Yes, and wow. my two younger sisters got into, well, one of them got into the medical field. The other one got into the police department. Oh, okay. Yes. So that's what got me into trucking, my little dad. <laughs> my awesome. little dad. My little dad. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Okay, so you were a company driver for a long time. Yes, yes. And then what prompted you to make the jump to well, being your own boss? <sighs> Man, well, first of all, I'm, I'm going to tell you this, but then I'm going to go back. It was okay. about the money. But as I was a company driver, I, I didn't want to undergo the responsibility of having to do all this on my own. And besides, I was new at this, so I, I didn't know what it was like. Right. And uh, so I figured, you know, hey, why don't I just get in? Why don't I learn the business and see what it was like? And I did very well as a company driver. And then when I got on with this particular company, I was in a dedicated account. And most of the guys in the account uh, were all dedicated. And these guys actually started sharing with me the kind of money that they were making. And I was like, wait a minute. This is a huge pie here. As an owner-operator. As an owner-operator. All I want is a slice of it. Yeah. And I started making this money, and I started realizing that there is just no limit in this industry when you're being your own boss, because it you are directly responsible for what you're making, for what you don't, and I love that freedom. Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah. So that, absolutely. So yeah. you 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 learned the ropes as a driver, yes, and how to be successful, and yes. that in and of itself is um, there's a, a a set of of goals that you set for yourself mm-hmm. on how to be successful as a driver, yes. right? But you, you have don't to. have to worry about. Paying insurance on the truck, making the truck payment, you if know, putting aside down. for maintenance, right. all of those things, right? right? You just worry mm-hmm. about the routine, providing good customer service, and then how to be productive yes. because most yep. drivers are paid by the mile, right? Right. right. So, the, so tell us the difference, the switch. 
Well, the, the switch is once you become a company driver and you start learning the ins and outs of the business and understanding that somebody else is taking care of everything in the backdrop, taking care of the insurance and the permits and, and the maintenance and, and the fuel costs, you understand that and you start <laughs> realizing that even as a company driver, you still have to be responsible for certain things such as, hey, how do I get the best miles per gallon? How do I get uh, the lowest idle time? Mm-hmm. You know, how do I make the most miles? Right. And so when you get this down to a science and you realize that if I can just translate that into being an owner operator, I mean, that's money in the bank. You're halfway there. Yes, indeed. You you develop the habits to be disciplined. Yes. To do all the right things. Yes, absolutely. And then after becoming an an owner up, you realize that, okay, I've got this area of it, you know, nailed down and pinpointed. Right. And then you start seeing the results. You know, like one of the times in particular, I'd like to share that, that after about four, four years of being an owner up, I was actually featured in a magazine, uh, if I may say, called Overdrive Magazine for having over eight miles per gallon. But I learned that as a company driver. And then I just translated that into being an owner up. Wow. That is commendable. Thank you. And, And so what contributes to the increased fuel mileage? What are the things that you do as a driver to get that many miles per gallon you know after being on the year on the road for so many years you see trucks pass you and then you see them again pass you and then you see them again pass you and you wonder hey man what are you doing yeah keep those doors closed and keep those wheels rolling and my thing was i drove for a few hours at a time at a set a steady speed now my cb handle was slow poke i was the slowest thing on the road (laughs) I could drive on the shoulders and still get to where I'm going. (laughs) (laughs) But my thing was uh, keeping the the speed average. Uh, California, I'm doing my 55, 56 miles an hour. And I specifically remember when I came out here and speed limit was 70, I was doing my 65, 66 miles an hour cruise control straight down the highway. I'm not trying to stop at truck stops, not trying to stop on the side of the road, not trying to pull in the rest areas. I'm keeping those doors closed and those wheels spinning. And that's how I got great MPG. Wow. And a lot yep. of drivers and don't. Speed. Yes, Managing absolutely. Your Managing your speed. Yeah. A lot of drivers yeah. don't realize that manufacturers design the engines for maximum fuel efficiency yes. at yep. the speed limit. Yes. And they get anxious. I want yep. a truck that will go 75 70 miles, or yeah. 80 miles an hour and mm. they're burning fuel like That's exactly crazy. what they're doing. When you get that RPM up, right? So, right. so th- that is great advice. Doors closed. Wheels, wheels turning. turning. Wheels turning. Steady speed. Right? Absolutely. Okay, so. Slowpoke slow was his handle. Slowpoke. That's right. <laughs> That's the day awesome. came to buy your own truck. Yes. How did it feel? I was very nervous. I didn't have the slightest idea of what I wanted because all the information that I gathered was just like too much. You know, yeah. what do you do with all this? How do you compile all that and then just make a good decision? Yeah. And so a friend of mine, his brother owned uh, a trailer, actually, a uh, shop. Mm-hmm. And so I went to see him and he took me to his brother's who had three trucks on the, on the property and I said, I'm not interested in buying a truck. I'm just interested in getting information on what to look for and then ultimately what to buy. And so I'm talking to him and he's like, I'm not going to try to sell you anything, but I'm just going to talk to you about it. And ultimately, I end up buying an automatic, a 2002 automatic Freightliner. 
because yeah, because I had never driven an automatic. I've always used a manual transmission. And, and being that I was coming into the industry, I want to be different. Let me see what difference like. And I come to realize that that was the best truck that I had, and it was a 10-speed automatic truck. Loved yeah. it. <laughs> Once well, again. You get better fuel uh, mileage, too, with it oh, being automatic. Yeah. So, yeah. so that helped save you. Yeah. Oh, sure for indeed. sure. For mm-hmm. sure. Actually felt like I was driving a motorhome. Well, especially in California, like those automatics – so when we switched to automatics, mm-hmm. um, I happened to be in a driver's lounge, and the drivers were angry because yes. they want to be able to shift, right? Yes. Um, and so I sat down with them, mm. and I explained why we were going to automatic. I'm like, look, how many of you guys go in through L.A.? And they raised their hand. Okay, mm-hmm. your next trip to L.A., after you have that automatic, I mm-hmm. want you to call me and tell me, was it the biggest mistake of your life getting automatic or not? Right. I didn't get one phone call that said, right. no, I hated this. They all loved it. They're like, man, I never thought that there would be yep. it's so much better. There yeah. is something to shift in those gears, too, though. You know, I, I know mean, that's what they say like. That, right? <laughs> that's sure. what they like. But you know what? You, when you look at the truck stops, you'll see those guys, and they've got what they call the trucker lift, right? Yes. Because of that, yeah. that knee. So true. So yeah. true. Yeah. All right. So now after all these years of driving, mm-hmm. what's your favorite truck? Freightliner. Got to go with the freight shaker. Got to go with the yes, freight indeed. shaker. Yeah. Absolutely. And so what do you like about them? You know, uh, the truck itself. Now, now one of the things that I, I, I'm going to say is I'm not the kind of guy who will start to debate about uh, uh, horsepower and, and torque and, and right. differential and rearing gear ratios and transmission, all this. I, I like the look of it. It actually has... It has that masculine look, like that, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like it, and and besides, uh, the newest one that I had was a, a 2012, and the thing was very comfortable, man. Just I just loved the way it handled. Uh, so that that was that was it for me. So you sound yeah. like me when we're bur- when my husband and I are purchasing cars. Mm-hmm. He always says, "You want to drive it?" I'm like, "No," and he goes, "Well, why not?" Why would you want to buy the car if you haven't driven it? And I'm like, I just want to know what it looks like. And if I like what it looks like, then I'll be all right driving it. I know that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, want to, I want to like the inside because that's what I see. Right. And if I don't like the inside, then I don't want the car. I don't yeah. care how much horsepower it has or what, what it is uh, the best of anything. It doesn't matter to me if I don't like the inside. I'll just buy one if I can fit in it. If I can get in it, I'll buy it. <laughs> so one of the interesting things to me in, mm-hmm. in, in asking that question of you is um, we've seen where we have a, um, a program called the Million Miler Program. Okay. And when a driver gets to a million miles, they get to pick the truck and the color that, that they mm-hmm. get to drive. And we have four different makes of tractors and it's interesting to see that everybody has their own personal opinion. Oh, yeah. yeah. They have their Absolutely. favorites. You know? Absolutely. So what do you find uh, that these guys are picking more of? I mean, Freightliners, Internationals? I mean. I think it's kind of, a, I think it's spread across the board, isn't it? It is. Mm-hmm. It is. Okay. Um, I mean, Freightliner is definitely up at the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, sure. and, and Volvos get picked. And yeah. Internationals and so Kenworths. I, I know I, I've never driven a truck, but when I look on the inside of the trucks, the Volvos are pretty awesome because they've got like just a bunch of they got like this netting and these pockets but these nettings are there mm-hmm. so you can stick stuff in there so mm-hmm. that if you break it doesn't shoot mm-hmm. through the thing but they're all over the place 
And it's like, that's See, nice because there's know, storage. Know, no, you know what you remind me of when we bought the house? I'm looking for the garage in the backyard. My wife's <laughs> looking for cubby spaces. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So now you glad you never have enough storage. You don't have to make that decision again because you're not driving, right? Right. Currently, right. what are you doing? Uh, actually, I'm a facilitator at uh, a trucking school. So I now teach it. That's right. awesome. Yes. So That's if you awesome. were successful doing it, now yes. you can help others. Yes. So, so tell us. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You were going to say, I was going to say, tell us and tell our audience how to be successful. I mean, the nitty gritty mm-hmm. of how to be successful, whether you're a company driver or an owner operator. How does it start? Well, the first thing you got to do is you got to have the right attitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back and I'm going to go forward. I interviewed for a job years ago. And I knew the, the people that I interviewed with. And I got hired. And I asked the guy in the end, I said, I know the people I interviewed with. I said, they have experience. Why did you hire me? And he said, I'm not looking for experience. I'm looking for attitude. Hmm. And there's a lot of times we get into the industry, and soon as one thing goes bad, attitude changes. True statement. And you start to develop a bad taste for the whole thing instead of just for that one certain aspect of it. But you want to be successful in company driver, owner, operator, man, you got to have the right attitude because out there it's a go get them. Uh, you have to have that drive. It's, it's that kind of atmosphere that you have to have. You have to do that. You have to be willing to think outside of the box and you have to be willing to do just about anything because, and, and I say this, company drivers and owner ops, every time you're dispatched, all I heard them tell me was, here's some money. And, yeah. and it all adds up. And all you got to do <coughs> is this to get it. Yes. All you have to do is that. But you also have to have an end goal in mind, too. Okay? Because company driver, owner op, we both have to have that same mentality. Mm-hmm. There's got to be an end goal. Why am I doing this? What am I trying to accomplish? What kind of results do I want to see? Right. right. If you don't formulate all that, if you don't, oh, my dad, I just heard him. If you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. Great advice. So in other words, on the attitude, and I heard you say in, you know, with this, the other message behind the scenes was flexibility. Yes. So, so with the end goal in mind of being productive <laughs> mm-hmm. and being profitable, don't let the frustrations of the shipper or the consignee or get in the way. or a conversation with the dispatch get you off track from right. that. Right. Be flexible. Right. Absolutely. If you got a couple of hours left on your clock in the day and maybe you could do a local delivery, <sighs> do, do it. it. Do it. Do it. Yeah. Absolutely. In other words, don't just mm. say, "Well, I'm only going to do this or this." Or I don't yeah. like driving here or there. Yeah. Do it. One of the things that that really uh got my name going in the company is there's certain times of the year for company drivers on or up, we have what's called light freight. Okay. And even when we don't have light freight, there's a lot of freight that people don't want to move. And so I would go in as, uh, there's a word in Spanish and I can't exactly say it, but it, it means I'll take it. Mm-hmm. And so when I was offered a load, all I ever said was, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Then it got to the point when freight was light. I was just, give me whatever nobody wants. I'll take that. And even when I would come in, and like you said, I had a few hours left, a couple hours. Hey, man, is there a local I can do? 
And then sooner or later, you start to develop a name. You start to, they start to see you credible and to make these deliveries and so forth and so forth. So now every time you come around, hey, Elliot, here, take <laughs> like this. I'll Dude. take it. But a lot of guys don't want to do that. They want to the be key. picky. That's the key. How do yeah. you teach them to understand how to use their clock? How do you teach that to them? Uh, if I may say, you put them in a chokehold. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it, it's, it's maximizing your time. Your yeah. time is money. If you're not maximizing that time, you're losing out on money. Because if you have the hours... Spin those wheels. Do something. Keep the doors closed and, and the wheels, wheels turning. Wheels are turning, man. All right. You so now to. we're going to drill down a little bit more. Yes, sir. So when you start your day, how can you best maximize your time? Well, know what you're doing before you're doing it. All right. And that's called? Trip planning. planning. Trip planning. Yes, sir. Okay. Talk about trip planning Absolutely. and how important that is to anybody that's either driving as a company or an owner, and especially an owner-operator. Well, you, you know, even this morning, I was getting ready. Uh, I only live a few miles down the road, it, I, and I'm up four hours before it's time to get here because I'm making allowances for, one, rush hour traffic, making allowances for uh, road construction, mm -hmm. I'm making allowances for, if anything happens out there, uh, accidents, right. and so forth and so forth. So... You have to stay a step ahead. You have to think about where you're going, how you're going to get there. And a lot of times we accept dispatches. Uh, we look at the GPS and we just start moving. I'm like, no, with technology the way it is today, you can just about figure out and, and see everything that's happening from here to your destination. And what people do is they wait until they get in the crux of a problem before they have to deal with it when you knew that route was going to be uh filled with with something you knew there was construction here trip planning is is so important so important that's so how you start of, your day yeah so some yeah. of the things you consider are where your pickup is is yep. doing the a pre-trip and we'll talk about that in yep. a minute Time of day. Time of day. Absolutely. Because of rush hour traffic, the traffic right. patterns. Yep. Do you ever look at like Google Earth to see where the shipper or the... Or Absolutely. The Especially if you know, well, for me in particular, if I knew I was going to get there early or just let's say I wanted to make it to, oh, sorry, to a customer before my appointment time, I need to see where this place is situated so I could find Maneuver. a place to park. You know, or can I do my 10 hours over there? Or can I do my 10 hours after I pick up? So, yeah, with technology like that, that's very beneficial to a driver. Yeah. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yep. So it's not like a Sunday drive, just hop in the car, put on your GPS. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, exactly. You do that, you're headed for trouble. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, trip planning is, is um, amazing. If yes, you'll it is. do that, knowing where you're going to fuel. Yes. Knowing where you're going to take your 30-minute break. Yes. Knowing where you're going to take your 10-hour. And, yeah. then, and then you can be proactive and, like you said, okay, let's suppose I get to my destination and I've got three hours on my clock mm -hmm. before my appointment. Mm -hmm. You'll call your driver manager yep. and say you to let them know, is there something I can do in the meantime? There you or, go. Can I, or can I push my uh, appointment up? Yeah. Because I'm here. Can I deliver yeah. early? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Oh, hey, could you stack me you three more with anything after as soon as I get done? Because I've already checked in and they told me, hey, it's only going to take an hour. So you figure two hours later, I'm ready to go again. 
yeah. instead of waiting until you're done with your loading or unloading. So, yeah, being proactive is also a, a big key. So this is yeah. all on how to be successful, but um, and obviously you were for 14 years Absolutely. before you decided to come in yes. to the office. Um, but you had to have had challenges while you were out over the road. Um, what are some of those challenges that you faced, and how did you overcome them? Um, there was quite a bit of challenges. It's, it's no kidding. You you got issues going on at home. I, I remember now this this is years ago. My kids are now grown and gone. Bye guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that I was at a rest area in Iowa on a payphone. Uh-oh. Okay, now that's how long ago it was. Yeah. At a payphone trying to correct my daughter about something she was doing in school. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Doing a little coaching or Yeah. And so you you have to deal with that, and you have to deal with moms like, you know, she's your child. You need to handle <laughs> this. You need to do this. And I'm thinking, you know what? I can't do that. I can't. And then I'm like, well, hold on, Elliot. You got to learn how to balance this life, man. You know, you got to have a happy wife because that's going to create a happy life. Yeah. And you still got to be somewhat of a disciplinarian, a counselor, a coach, and dad. You got to do all this. You got to run a business. And and the, the challenges of doing all this and finding that balance, you know, and then not just that. Now you got to start thinking about taking care of yourself as well. Right. You know, how do I do all this? And I remember times sitting behind the wheel, looking out the windshield, thinking, I'm running a business, I'm running a home, I'm raising children, I'm keeping a wife happy. I'm super mad. <laughs> <laughs> that, that truly is a, it's, a it's, it's amazing not the, description. It's not the easiest thing to do. Yeah. But, you know, and honestly say this, if we all would look over our shoulder and see what life has thrown at us, we've handled it. And so this is no different. We can handle this. But it, 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 I'm hearing my dad again. Dad used to say, having a problem is not a problem. It's a problem when you don't know how to handle it. It's when it becomes a problem. So, proactive. Smart dad. Yeah, yeah he is. So, what are, what are some of the things that you did to create that balance? Well, I, I made things as normal as I possibly could in the industry. Uh, I didn't just drive and sleep. Uh, I created things. You know, I actually sometimes, I would even go to the movies when I'm out on the road. Oh. Yeah, I would even go bowling. I, I just tried to have a normal life instead of drive, sleep, drive, sleep, drive, sleep. Now, I also separated my work from my, my professional life from my personal life. When I went home, it was all about family. It was about spending time. It was about doing things and understanding that you, you've got all this you have to juggle, you know, and you've got to make it fall all in line. And so having a wonderful balance in an industry like that is not the easiest thing to do, but it's, it's uh, you can manage it. Yeah, oh, Absolutely. That's, that's such great advice and a great picture. Go home, be home. Yes, Go home, be home, right? Go be home, home, be home. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. One, yeah. of the, one of the things that, like Linda was saying, you know, the things that the challenges that happen on the road, some of those challenges you can avoid, like 
being like, stranded from a mechanical problem. Ooh. Or a flat tire. Man. <laughs> so t- tell us how, because when you're a company guy, sometimes you, 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 you get stranded. Mm-hmm. You call breakdown. Mm-hmm. They send somebody a out. roadside service. Service. Yeah. service. How does that, how does that uh, change when you're an owner-operator? Well, the breakdowns, the roadside service, uh, the money that's coming out of somebody's pocket to have all these repairs done, that stays the same. The somebody pays for somebody it. Somebody pays for it. The difference is this. The degree to which you take care of your vehicle, the degree to which you do your pre-trip, the degree to which you are proactive about anything that even looks like it's going wrong, falls so heavily on the owner operator, you definitely make sure that you take care of those things. Uh, tires. Tires are very expensive. Company drivers don't have to worry about that. You see your tires going below the specs, you change them. You mm-hmm. see anything that looks like it's going to go wrong on the truck, you fix that. Uh, here goes Daddy again. I know, guys, you're going to say something about that watch. <laughs> I like it. I like it. My father used to tell me, you take care of what take care is you. He taught me that lesson on a bicycle. He bought me my bicycle to go back and forth to work. And I used to have all my little friends riding on the bike, having them on the handlebars, three, four of us on a bicycle pedaling. He said, that bicycle's going to break. You need to take care of that bike because it's taking care of you. It's no different than a truck. That truck That's is true. taking care of you. You need to take care of it. Now, I had a mechanic. I had a personal mechanic. Now, although the company that I was employed with, also a great group of guys, I got to personally know them. You definitely have to stay and communicate with these mechanics because they're more or less, man, like the backbone to, you know, this truck staying up and running. Right. And so you get in there and you understand what they do, who they are, and you let them know that, you know, before there is even an issue, you see something coming, we address it, we take care of that. Because I mentioned uh, to somebody one time that, Road service is three fifty to five hundred dollars, and then when the tow truck comes in, you're looking at six, nine, fifteen hundred bucks, depending on where this thing needs to be towed. And guess who's paying for this? You. That's right. <clears throat> Excuse me. All because you saw there was a, a fray in a line, or you saw there was a leak coming from somewheres, and you didn't address it. Exactly. Wow. Yes, indeed. So it's cheaper, even though you need a new tire. To yes. take care of it beforehand yes. rather than have road service come yes. and do it. Well, not Absolutely. to mention the time that you're down, which means if the That's wheels money. aren't rolling, That's money. you're not making any yep. money. You, when you're on the road yep. and you have to get a tow, bad news. Yeah. Yep. So or stay, even have to though, stay in a hotel if they have to keep it. Exactly. So even though, you're a, right. even though you're a, a company driver, the same thing applies. Oh, same yeah. thing applies. If, you, if you're taking care of your equipment... Because it takes care of you, mm-hmm. you have the you have the potential of losing time and productivity if you break down on the road. Mm-hmm. Now that's going to happen from time to oh, time. It does. It really right. does. With the best preparation, yeah. it has happened, and yeah. uh, it will happen again. <laughs> but you, you try not to let it be your fault because you intentionally overlook something that you knew you could have taken care of. Right. Yeah. So, so if you could give some tips to anybody who was thinking about becoming an owner operator, what would they be? I would say this. If it's a new and upcoming driver, first of all, do you three years minimum with a company. Understand what the business is like. Uh, 
run, see how productive you can be, see whether or not you, you're going to like this. Because there's a lot of guys come into the industry and they really don't stay for any amount of time because it, it's not an easy job. If yeah. driving a truck was so easy, man, we would all be doing it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard. Um, I would say go ahead and do that first three years as a company driver. Second of all, treat that truck like it would be your own because ultimately that's what you're trying to uh, get to is to being an owner-up. Be productive. Have that attitude, that right attitude, that go get them. Man, I'm, I'm going to do this. I can, I will. I'll take it. I'll take it. There you go. Y'all vote something it. like that? <laughs> I'll <laughs> take it. it. I'll take it, yeah. And, and do that. See if that lifestyle is for you. Because, and, and it's, it also is like this too. If you don't have that support system from the house, it makes it difficult out there on the road. Oh, oh yeah, sure. for yeah, sure. Very much so, very much so. So uh, a lot of times, you know, again, as we were talking earlier, as soon as one thing becomes unbalanced at the home front, you know, I want to get off the road and I want to start staying closer to the house and so forth and so forth. Mm -hmm. But you got to come in with the right attitude, guys and gals. You know, you, you got to have a, a, a goal. You have to have, your, you, you know, an, an intent in mind. Where am I going with this? And so, yeah, if I, if I definitely could share, tell them, get in for about three, three to five. And then, now, me personally, I would also say this. Uh, after being a company driver, become a lease operator from a company because that contract. Kind of a okay. middle step. Yes, take the steps. Take yeah. the yeah. steps because once you sign your name on a dotted line for a sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollar vehicle, there's no turning back. Right. And you need to know that this is gonna work. And the only way to find out if it's gonna work is you start from the company and then just continue to work your way up. Great that makes advice. Sense. That makes I, sense. I know that a lot of companies now, um, the one that we're affiliated with, have a great lease program where mm -hmm. they help a potential owner operator. Learn how to be a businessman, yes. business person. Yes, they help them do an accrual for maintenance. They help them make yes. sure they have the proper insurance, and so they're giving them that middle step. Right, the tools, the tools yeah. before they handle it well, on their own. I like, I like to call it uh, being set up for success. Being there set up for success. I like that. Yeah, that's you know, that's such a great exactly advice. what it's doing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, they're teaching you uh, the complete ropes. You know, and then in turn, a lot of them offer that uh, a bookkeeping service. So your taxes and all that stuff is being prepared for you. All you have to do is just submit the receipts. So there's literally much of nothing you got to do but just drive. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll that, take it. Take advantage of that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And then when you're experienced and now you, you know about the taxes and you know about mm -hmm. accruals for your maintenance and, and depreciation of your truck because... Mm -hmm. At some point, it's going to wear out. Yeah, absolutely. And you're going to have to buy a have new to buy one. one. Yep. And so you want to be able to be saving for that. Yeah. That nut when that yeah. comes, yeah. right? That's um, very important. Okay. Another. How many trucks? We got to. I mean, you started talking about trucks, yeah. right? So how many trucks did you buy? Well, I actually had two, but one at a time. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, my dear old dad told me I can only drive one, so stick with one. <laughs> yes. But, Yes, I did want more uh, because, like I said, the opportunities are endless in this business, and the money is just astronomical. It's it's great. Uh, I don't say that to condemn anybody, or but where else can you go and make over a hundred thousand dollars a year without a college education? 
That's I, true. Yeah. But and it's not, it's not one without of professional training, right? It's definitely not it's, without professional training. Uh, yeah, you're not just going to open up a Cracker Jack box and get a <laughs> license, or some might say you can. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, it's, it's, it's hard work. And so ultimately, like I said, I would, I would have done more. But the lifestyle that this industry has afforded me, uh, working one was plenty enough. Right. Uh, yeah, I had a, a wonderful life, a beautiful wife, beautiful home. I mean, and all thanks to the trucking industry and hard work. But the team and the support that I had behind me, you know, you, when you're backed by one of the best, you, you, you can't lose. Right. Yep. Yeah. Good. All right. So. You've talked about advice. Mm-hmm. You've talked about how you took care of your equipment. You talked about setting yourself up for s- success. How did you take care of you? On the road. Health. Well, I uh, I bought me a T-shirt that made me look really good. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was difficult. In the beginning, it wasn't, uh, I didn't even think about exercise uh, at all. Uh, it was just about, as I said earlier, drive and sleep, eat. Drive and sleep, eat. And I actually went to the doctors for a physical and he started reading, now this is how long ago this was, my chart. They don't mm-hmm. read charts anymore, right? <laughs> he's reading my chart and he's reading off all these things. And I'm like, who is that? He said, that's you if you don't start losing some of this weight. And I'm like, wow, okay. So what do you suggest? And he said, diet and exercise. And I'm thinking, goes back to dad. Take care of what take care is you. Right. If this body is allowing you to drive this truck to make this kind of money, you have to take care of this body. So I started fumbling around with exercise. I'm up underneath the trailer. I'm doing crazy things, right? Leg lifts and push-ups. And I'm thinking, man, there's got to be something better than I can do than this. And then actually I started thinking, I've got a gym in my truck. Got the top bunk. I can squat, I can uh, sit up, I can pull up. And then it, I started becoming a little more creative. Then I realized I've got an empty trailer. Why don't I get in there and jump rope? And if, if you know, it's bad weather, I got a jacket on, I'm going back and forth, I'm running. I'm just doing things just to burn off some of this calorie. Now, one of the things that I recommend to guys today is we can pull up in a parking lot to a gym, a membership is now $9 a month. Yes. Okay. If that doesn't work, I've seen guys take small benches out of the, their cabs, put it on the side of their trucks, couple dumbbells, jump rope, mats, yes. doing yeah. whatever. Absolutely. And being that we can now, uh, we have better access to uh, gyms and, and parking lots and so forth and so forth. I say the same thing about truck stops. Park all the way in the back. If that is the only exercise you're going to get, at least you're, you're getting some walking in. Mm-hmm. But we have to do something to stay active. And it's, it's, it's got to be, you know, high on our list of priorities. Because our health, man, again, if you don't take care of yourself, you can't do your job. So Take care of great, what, take care great of you. advice. Eating on the road is difficult. Well, actually, no. Eating is not difficult. Eating, eating not is difficult. easy. Eating, eating is healthy. easy. But eating healthy, healthy options. Yeah, there you go. So that that 
is somewhat difficult, but I'm noticing that now the truck stops are starting to change their menus. Yeah, I noticed now, that it, too. It solely becomes our choice. Now, I will not sit here and tell you that a grease-laden bacon double cheeseburger is not going to taste good because it really does. It really <laughs> does. But when you go to certain places, you do have vegetables. You got fruit. You got the salad bar. You got fish. You got chicken. So it's just our choice now that it's come to be. I did yeah. notice that now um, that not all truck stops, but mm-hmm. there are some that have like a cup of fruit. Um, or right there by the register, there's bananas or apples, yes. or yes, um, which is nice. Right. So that the at least you ones, get something. The big ones have a, a better selection. Yeah, and I see right. salads and yeah. yeah. Now, what what was difficult for me as well too is I had a fridge right on my front seat, and I find myself eating out of boredom. Oh yeah, I oh, can yeah. totally yeah. see that. And that's what you have to watch out for. And then. Uh, well, it'd be okay if you were eating carrots. Well, you, and you see, and that's right? what I was getting ready to say because my wife had changed all that because you know she would get in there and she said, "Man, I've got a bag of Kit Kat and some sneakers," and <laughs> <laughs> she said, "No, fruits and vegetables." And there was times when I would stop at a super center, and because I had the fridge, I would buy my own fruits and vegetable and break it up and put it in the fridge and snack on that. But that, that is a habit that, and it's a habit, that's what it is. It's a habit that we have to overcome is eating because of boredom. So did you cook on the truck? Uh, not necessarily cook uh, of any sort. I had a hot pot that I can boil stuff. Now, I boiled hot dogs and boiled eggs. But for the most part, I would pack the food from my house. My wife would pack it, freeze it in Ziplocs. I would stick it in the freezer, put it in my cooler and so forth. So I would always meal prep from the house. Oh, yeah. okay. In the later stages of, of my career. A yeah. lot of our guests have done that. And, mm-hmm. they, and they say that to be healthier and to avoid the pitfalls of eating from boredom and buying everything at the Trump's truck stop would be to prepare from home. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like trip planning. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Just like trip planning. Kind of, kind There's of like a way meal, to do it. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I mean, I find comfort in a bag of chips. You too? Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite kind? Ooh, I, I like so many. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sea salt and vinegar. No, barbecue. Really? I like the barbecue. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Barbecue barbecue anything. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I haven't had... Although, I will admit, I was at the airport, mm-hmm. and they had these. They're called... I think it's Wisps, I think is what it's called, and it's like this cheese cracker, and it's barbecue. I mean, how could it be bad? Okay. Right? So I bought it. Oh, no. No. Mm-mm. I only give, took one. Give it back. Throw it in the trash. I was like, this is awful. <laughs> okay. I felt okay. bad throwing it away, but it would taste terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I hope they're not watching. Oh, yeah. I hope not either, but it wasn't any good. It I was still too got much my cheese. receipt. <laughs> <laughs> it was too much cheese, but I mean, yeah. it was, I mean, it was called cheddar. Like, that's what it was supposed to taste like. Right. It's just not something that I like. But I purposely bought the barbecue because I thought, oh, how could it be bad? Well, at least now you know. Yeah, I won't be buying that one again. There you go. There you go. <laughs> okay, right. I got another one for you. Yes, sir. So you've seen so much of the country. Yes. Where, where after all these years, mm-hmm. would be your favorite run? Oh. You know, right now, if they had to ask me, hey, Ellie, we got a load going to Miami, would you take it? Absolutely, yes. Really? Wanna, yes. Want to run down south to Miami, just uh, down to the tip of it. Yep. Yeah. And then I'll probably park the truck for about eh, maybe a week and then head on in the Key West and then from there to Jamaica and uh, – <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, I think Florida, you. absolutely. I uh, love Florida. I've went as far down as Tampa, 
but never been down to Miami. Have visited every state in the country. Now, the Northeast is very beautiful, especially during the right time of the year when all the season, uh, the trees yeah. are changing. And, oh, yeah. September, and then don't get October. me over to the Northwest, man, where you see the pines and you see the snow and... You know, funny story. Just a little story. I was Ooh, running through. One more story, Corey. Just, oh, hey, that's exactly <laughs> what they call you. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> I was running through Wyoming, and I'm talking about there's nothing to do and nothing to see, right? And this song popped up into my head, Home on the Range Where the Buffaloes Roam. And I looked over, and there was a herd of buffaloes on the side oh, of the road. Wow. <laughs> so we have such a beautiful country, man. And I've heard it. I've heard it said that the, the view from the office changes every day. True statement. Yes, indeed. Yes, True indeed. Statement. So you know, there's a lot to see out there. So, so. through the. 29 years in the industry, you never made it down past Tampa. Never made it down past Tampa. Wow. That's right. So yep. if you could have any load, it'd be there just so you could experience uh, it. Yeah, well, you know, we uh, we went to Cabo before uh, the pandemic started, and yeah. that's what we were doing. We were traveling, and we were just making all these plans, man. Every couple, three years, you know, we, well, we can afford it now. You know, the industry's been good to us. And I said, you know, I said, this is what I want to do. I said, I want to fly to Louisiana to the family, and then we're going to fly to Miami, and then from Miami we're going to hit Key West, and then from there we're going to hit Jamaica. It's an honor-up. You can do that. You know, you can take the time off. And so that's where all this comes from. I want to do Miami, Key West, Jamaica, and keep on going. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I want to go too. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds like a plan to me. (laughs) I do too. Yeah, I'd love to go. That would be that sounds like yeah. a great trip. So that's that's the plans. We lived Absolutely. in Tampa for um, two and a half years. My husband was in the service at McDill. Yeah, yeah. We were stationed uh, at McDill. I was there. I love mm-hmm. Tampa. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love it. But we never made it down to Miami either. See, yeah, that so, close, right? Yeah. So yeah. just last week we were talking. Um, I have some friends who were stationed with us in McDill, mm-hmm. and. Um, they sent us a message that says, hey, we're thinking about doing an Alaskan cruise. Would y'all meet us, you know, wow. for the cruise? I'm like, yeah, heck yeah. And they're like, anywhere else you want to go? I'm like, I want to go back to Florida. Yeah, there you <laughs> Let's go. Let's go to Miami. There you go. All right. Yeah. Let's make the trip. Yeah, so. it's beautiful. So anything left on your bucket list? On my bucket list. Corey, I'm going to tell you, I just did three things on my bucket list. Oh, okay. what were they? Uh, I'm afraid of heights. So I went parasailing. <gasps> Wasn't that fun? Loved it's it. It's so peaceful it up there. Feels like you're just gliding on the wind. So peaceful. Love it. Now, now hang on. Was yes. the boat? Was the guy who was running the boat mean and dunking you in the, in the in the water? Oh, I didn't feel any of that. No matter what he was doing there, I was way up there. Oh, so he didn't bring That's you great. back down uh, and dunk you in the water? No, actually, what I did was I landed on the. On the beach. Oh, okay. So they told me how to guide this thing and land me on the beach. And I'm up there, and I'm looking at all this water, and I'm thinking, first of all, you can't swim. Second of all, you're scared of heights. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, they're so peaceful up there. <laughs> yeah. So check. Check. Uh, again, I can't swim. I went snorkeling. Now, how what? does how does that work? Yeah. Right? Well, the tour uh, guide. I know. Go ahead. Floaties. Yes. Nuh-uh. <laughs> yes. Like arm floaties? No. <laughs> I actually had a life jacket tied around my waist. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hey, yeah. Don't don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Wow. I did. Now I'm a I'm a huge fan of aquariums. Mm. Looking at that ocean, 
And looking at everything that's taken place, I felt like I was in a giant aquarium. Oh, yeah. It was beautiful. Uh, the wow. third thing that I wanted to do, again, can't swim, afraid of heights. Uh, not afraid of water. I ride motorcycles. I wanted to jet ski. Oh. Now, I am in 300 feet of water. Can't swim. <laughs> but, of course, I got a life jacket. Life jacket. And now I got the floaties. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And a life jacket with yeah. a horse. Now I, now I got oh, yeah. that would have been a so great picture. I, I did that. It's so fun. Uh, I'm thinking, I, I, you know, I know this is kind of far-fetched, but there's only one other thing that I want to do. Top fuel drag racing. Yes. Whoa. I want to see what it's like see, to go I 300 miles like an living, hour. Yeah, he's like I living on that. the edge. <laughs> thinking outside the box, something, and doing yes. something wow. that you may be afraid of. Yes. And, and try it. Just try it. it. Just, so, you know, that is I mean, I don't want to look over my shoulder and say, you know, you could have. And you should have. But you didn't. All right. Yeah. You know, just let's do it. Now, we do, we do quite a bit of deep sea fishing. Again, can't swim. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm in four and 500 feet of water. Now, I'm the only guy on the boat with a life jacket on. And my wife, of course, I asked her to wear hers. And they, they would say, hey, man, it's bad luck to be on a boat with a life jacket. We're not going to catch any fish. And I'm like, hey, man, this is boating 101. Put your yeah, life, put jacket, your life on. jacket on. Put your life jacket on. Like, that's what they tell you. Yeah. It's kind of like putting but, your helmet on, riding them up. There you go. Yeah. There you right. go. Absolutely. And I, I see so you they don't, they don't. They don't. Too much. I mean, they tell you that the life jackets are available. So, do you did you catch any fish? Oh, we we often time we uh, it's called taking expensive boat rides. <laughs> yeah, you come back with nothing. Exactly. <laughs> but sometimes we do catch though. Do you catch? I bet you get to see some pretty cool stuff out there, like any whales or uh, dolphins. 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 Oh, the dolphins we, are oh, so pretty. Beautiful. They're so beautiful. beautiful. I and agree. That, that water so bluish green. When those it's dolphins so are there, there, you can get in the water. There's no sharks. Yeah, I'm not going in that water. Well, okay, the dolphins, where it, uh, I dolphins scare them off. I know, but you got your life vest on. <laughs> Don't forget the floaties. <laughs> and yeah. the floaties. So where's the bluish green water? Uh, off the coast of Oxnard, near the Santa Cruz Islands. Awesome. Yes. Not too far from here. Yep, not too far. Yep. Wow. So, Elliot, it's been so fun having you today. Well, thank and you. I appreciate you, it. You've taught us some great things about being an owner-operator, um, about lifestyle, and some some great advice. A, do you have any more daddyisms Woo. that you yes. want to share? Yes. And any other things that you haven't touched on for advice for our audience? My dad, that's daddyism. My wife calls them Elliotisms. Yeah, yeah, they're daddyisms. <laughs> uh, one of the thing too uh, that daddy used to say is that because, like I said, you know, you can make astronomical amount of monies in this industry is it's not how much a man makes. It's how much he holds on to. Guys are going to make a lot of money in this industry. And growing up in the South, where I grew up from, we didn't have a lot financially. So when you got it, you held on to it. We, you know, lived a simplified life. And if we wanted things, we usually created it. You know, when it was time to go and, and yep. have fun, you you made that happen. We wasn't like, generation is the younger today where everything is done indoors you're playing on playstations we didn't have any of that uh one of the problems about making that kind of money is the inability to manage it 
so many times a person makes thousands of dollars a week and they want to spend thousands of dollars a week. And they don't think about it takes money to make money. Right. You make that kind of money. Some of that money has to go back into the business. Yep. And so. Sure. And, to invest. Yeah. And, and I've said this before. Uh, I was making so much money that it's not like I didn't know what to do with it, but it was above what I needed to live on. So I just put it away and put it away and put it away. And daddy told me this. Hey, dad. <laughs> dad said money is nothing but a tool. No different than that lawnmower out in the garage that you need to use it to cut the grass. It's just a tool. Put it away for when you need it. One day wow, you will. that is a good You're one. Need it. Yes. I'm liking so, daddy. Yep. Daddy was cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But you know, to all the girls and gals out there, man, first of all, first and foremost, it's going to take determination and it's going to take uh, attitude. It's going to take motivation. You can't just walk into there and into this industry and not have some kind of idea of what you want to do. And I don't mean I just want to drive a truck. There's something a little bit above and beyond that. What do we? What do we want to do with this career we got? Right. So, uh, and obviously, it can be a great career. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's surprising to me that there's a driver shortage out there. So your message is so timely for people to know that mm -hmm. they can they can earn a, a great living, absolutely. have a professional career, yes. and enjoy themselves, yes. and at the same time achieve their financial goals. Yeah. In the transportation industry. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if so many people don't think that we're valuable, again, look over your shoulder. Uh, what just happened with the pandemic? I mean, we were needed. Yeah. You know, I mean, the public we wouldn't have had realized paper. what we. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. The public realized what uh, what our value. Uh, is and was and still is and, because uh, yeah exactly because exactly. even now it's hard i mean my gosh we're yeah. still struggling trying to get supplies and and you know i mean my family went through it and everybody else's family went through it so if you didn't get a thank you out there understood that you still played a very crucial part in in keeping america going mm -hmm. you know so you can feel good about yourself and if they didn't uh, get a thank you we, we thank you. you. We thank you. That's right. There 100%. you go. Yep. I totally agree. Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much. Absolutely. I really appreciate you guys. Thank you. It was all. great yeah. talking to you. Right, and I too. love the daddy isms. Yep. Daddy we yeah. need to have a section of just daddy isms. <laughs> I think that those guys can do that for us. Man, that would be awesome. Like, we'll, we'll separate huh? out some daddy isms. Daddy isms, isms. Well, yeah. As long as we don't get the daddy that said, boy, when you getting up out my house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we'll be sure to include a dad joke, too. Oh, yeah. And a granddad joke. And a, and a granddad, granddad joke. Because right. the difference is the hairline. Hairline. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay, guys. Thanks, That's everybody. Awesome. Yeah, mm -hmm. thank, thank you. you we enjoyed bringing this show to you, and we hope you had fun along the way, too. We're going 1010 for now, but you can catch us on the side on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Beyond the Rig and Drive Night. Until next time, be safe out there and keep trucking.